Welcome to the Two Old Kids and Two Young Adults podcast. We've combined life experience with young adult drive and ambition. Are you just starting to college plan? Did you finish your education and wonder, now what? Join us in this lively discussion about the topics you need to know to create the next stage of your life's dreams, careers, finances, education, and more. Well, hello, hello, hello. It's uh, two old kids, two young adults. Uh, we're missing an old kid, but that's okay. We got the two young adults. That's all that matters. Um, I got the impression because I had a tooth pulled last week that it was a great show without me. So I got to make up for that. So we're going to do a show this week about an interesting topic. It kind of gets, uh, I know Capri was talking about last week, what it was like getting into the first feel of college. We're going to back that tape up and we're going to talk about the work that gets done before you show up for the first day of college. And it's what seniors should be working on right now. But it's going to be unique in this one respect. It's going to be from the student's perspective, these two right here, as they went through it in their senior year in high school. And I want to put a different spin on it, which is what didn't you know that may have caught you off guard that you had to adjust to now i'm going to tell you what the three topics are one of them is going to be standardized testing the other one's going to be writing college admission personal statements and why us and what are you going to do when you get here essays and then the third one is picking your college list so i'm going to ask them questions they're going to ask us questions and that's how we do it. Two young kids, two young kids, two old kids. Dang it. Amy, you got to edit that. Two old kids, two young adults <laughs> podcast. Here we go. All right. So let's just get right into it, y'all. Standardized testing. So um, if I was to ask you what you did not know or what you did not understand about the process, what would you say kind of jumps out at you that you're like, eh, I knew it was coming, but I didn't understand, A, the impact, what it was supposed to be. What would you say was the biggest thing you, that surprised you about that process? I think the biggest thing for me was the amount of prep that was necessary that I probably didn't do for it. I thought it was just going to be, honestly, another test that I could you know, study for a little bit the night mm -hmm. before and then just get a good score on it. But I might my score jumped pretty significantly after doing a um someone I tutored with with you, Ed, and that was huge for me. And I wish I'd started that much earlier because I think I would have gotten a lot better scores and would have made me a lot more confident in my application. So just knowing that the resources are out there and they're really, really good resources, they helped me significantly. Got it. Capri, anything on your side? Um, I definitely agree what what with what Alex said. I also was kind of taken aback by how long like the entire process was I was just like oh like I take it once I'm done like I'm gonna get a great score move on with my life you know um but I first had to decide which test I was taking which uh, I was like oh like I'm just gonna take the SAT like I took the PSAT but I did a diagnostic test and it turned out that the ACT was like significantly better suited towards how I take tests. And I think that's kind of something that's important to know um, beforehand is how you take tests. The ACT, I'm pretty sure is a little shorter. And they also had a like specific science section, which personally, I really like science. So um, knowing that I had that advantage was something that made me feel more confident and I think was beneficial um, in the end. And then also kind of just, I took it twice and I saw so much improvement and yeah, some of that was because I did extra things. I prepared a little differently. I made sure that I was putting myself in a situation where I could succeed, but also like the second time being there, I just felt more confident and I knew how it was going to go. Like if I'm a person where I don't know how something is going to like play out, it makes me really nervous. And I think a lot of those nerves played into, um, the result that I got the first time, which honestly, I was a little disappointed in. 
Yeah. So two interesting points of view, one that actually they're both brilliant in, in understanding for you folks who are going to go through it. One is the one thing I always say is that getting in the chair and taking the test is the most important thing you can do because you get a real sense of speed. You get a real sense of tempo and you get a see the environment you're going to be in. To Alex's point, it's the idea that preparation is the other thing that can get you settled. So you prepare and then you get in the seat or maybe it's the other way around. You get in the seat, then you prepare to go back in the seat. It's going to do one of two things. One, it's going to cement you so that you're stabilized and you're not emotionally scattered so that you can concentrate on the test and you don't have all these distractions because you've done it before. And you should have a certain level of confidence that comes with being there and also studying and preparing to be there. So um, Capri talked about taking it a couple times. Two is usually the minimum. Three is probably the maximum. You don't want to get stir crazy and go, I'm going to take it like six times mm -hmm. because they know you're just trying to boost your score. But there is some value into doing the practice stuff offline so that you you feel like you've done the best. So I was at um, Alex and Capri's alma mater, their high school today, and there was a question that popped up about score. And it's like, what's the best score? What's the right score? And the answer to that question sits into what they said they didn't realize they had to do, which is prepare. You can only get the best score that you can get. And if you're done and you put your head on the pillow at night and you go, I did everything I can and I got nothing higher than pick an arbitrary number, 1100, then that tells you those are the type of schools you should be looking at because there's nothing more frustrating than going, I got 1100, but I'm looking at schools that traditionally accepting students that have a 1400 or a 1600, which is your high end profile they look, you know, perfection doesn't even get the job done. You have to have so much more on your resume. So we can talk about school stuff later, but it is part of the, and by the way, ACT, um, Capri, I, I could be remembering this wrong, but I, I want to say you moved like three or four points in that deal. So mm -hmm. as soon as you get into the 30s, I think you were 31, 32. Does that sound? Yeah, I think the first time I either got like a 29 or 30, and then the second time I definitely got a 33 so I was that was what I was expecting to get like the first time and I was pretty disappointed but I think a lot of that was my lack of preparedness and lack of knowledge of how it, the test went so yeah so I'm gonna let you guys ask a couple questions from mm -hmm. the advisor side of it but let me just recap a couple things one Capri said she took a diagnostic Every, everything in her brain told her, I'm going to take an SAT. She did a diagnostic, compared the scores, and realized ACT was a better fit for her. Mm -hmm. Then she sat in the chair, took the test, probably a little uncomfortable and disappointed by the results, then set out to prepare for it. And when we say prepare, well, I'm not talking about – I'm not a big fan of big group classes. I want a specialist in that standardized testing field – to look at your scores and find out where the greatest improvement can be made and focus on that particular subject matter to help increase. So when, when I work with our students, we kind of set up with the ideas like you're going to do about seven to nine hours of prep. Let's see what we got. And then we can go up another level and add seven to nine hours more. See, most firms go, You're, you need 22, 24 hours. Well, I don't know what you need until we put those benchmarks in place. Once we have them, then we can make an investment in resources and time and energy, which gets back to Alex's point, which is the more time you have, the better prepared you're going to be. And you're not going to be under pressure to perform because you're not ready or because you got to get this test in as the last one before applications go in, you you need the time to really stretch and kind of get a feel for what you have to go through. So if you're thinking about when you should start, I can guarantee you both these young people started 
before we got here. So while we're recording this, it's September. They started in the beginning of summer. So it gave them a ramp to get ready and prepared. So when the test came online, I don't know the dates off the top of my head, but let's say one is in October, one is in December. They're prepared for that. So usually there's one at the end of the summer, one in the fall, one in the winter. You need all three, you take all three, but at least you built up your readiness and preparedness so that you can perform as well as you can and you can live with those results because you're not forcing all that in a last minute scenario. So having said that, I know Capri, you said you had a couple of questions. Alex, if you got anything related to this topic, fire away. Yeah, so I have one um, little side note first is that um, I didn't know that you could do this, but if you plan ahead and you pick a test date, some test dates that you pick, you can pay like an extra fee. I think it was like $15 or something. I don't know. I personally did not end up doing it, but you can actually get your test back from ACT and like it will specifically tell you what areas and what questions you could improve on the next time. And I think that's like a great tool um, for people who um, maybe want to do that kind of go the extra bit. Um, and then another question I had is, so I went through um, college apps last year. A lot of things were still optional or they wouldn't look at the test scores. Um, does optional really mean optional or what's kind of the deal on that? Good question. They, that question came up today too. So optional is yes and yes and no. Let me explain I don't think of anything that they say is optional is optional. That's their way of saying if you really want to be considered as a candidate here, you better fill in the optional stuff. So here's where it gets interesting. What young people don't realize is that you're, it used to be required everywhere, which means they're in control of the process and they being colleges and universities. Now that it's optional, you're now in control of the process, meaning that if you don't do well, don't submit the score. Mm -hmm. well, how do you know if you should submit it or not? Well, look at statistical data that tells you what scores were submitted for the middle 50% of the freshman class in previous years. So if the middle 50% went from 1,100 to 1,250 and you got a 1,200, that's a pretty reasonable score. You're in the middle. You probably should submit it. If you got a thousand, but it's eleven hundred to twelve fifty, then you probably shouldn't because you're mm -hmm. not really helping yourself. And we'll talk about other ways you can help yourself. So maybe you don't submit it. So again, I hate this expression, but it applies. It depends. It depends on you and your performance. It depends on the institution. So. I said this last year, I'll say it again. I never quite understand out here in California. It By law, the UCs and the Cal States cannot determine a, an applicant's readiness based on those scores. It's against the law. It went through the court system. Yet on the UC application, it had a place to put the scores if you felt like it. What's the point? I don't know why it's still there if it's not required, but think about it. If human nature says, if you show me something that you probably shouldn't have shown me, I'm probably going to look at it. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to be an admissions officer, but I'm a human being, which is if I see a score on there that says they got a 15, a 1360 or a 1410, I'm going to go, they tried. I'm going to, if I've been doing it the same way the last 15 years, and all of a sudden, the last three, it's no, but we left a place on it. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna look at it. So the point of that is you're in control. You can do whatever you want. But my feeling is if it's optional and those scores help you, put them on the application because you're only helping yourself. And I will argue that when application percentages go up 18%, 22, 26, 28% because all these kids realize they don't have to put their scores on there, but you do and you're competitive, you're cutting through all of that and you're positioning yourself to get the one thing you want, which is accepted. So that's my two cents on that. Did I answer your question, Capri? Cool. Yeah, very well. Thank you. 
what other questions or thoughts we have on this subject? I think that really covered it for the most part on my end. All right. So I was going to do essays next, but since standardized test scores and applications kind of go together, let's talk about schools. So another question that came out of that, and I think I alluded to it today, was what's the right score? And I could care less about the right score. I care about the right school. Bigger than that, I care about the right major. And even bigger than that, I, I care about the career path that you're on and do they have the pieces of the puzzle that you need to make that go. So a college application school list is probably one of the most stressful things that a young person has to deal with that requires no grades, no testing, no extra curriculum. It's just the emotion that you're going to make a decision for the next four years of your life, if you get out on time, and how it fits into a place you've never been. So I'm going to tell you, before I ask them about what they learned, I'm going to say one important thing. I'm working with a student who has visited all of his application schools last year. So he knows about those schools because he went there. It's hard to apply to schools that you have never visited. You have It's not three-dimensional. It's one-dimensional. It's a screen. You might have taken a virtual tour. For Capri, that was necessary because of COVID. A lot of that stuff wasn't back online yet. But if you visited the school, you have a better feel for what that place is going to be like. So if you haven't visited schools, no problem. You can visit them soon. But if you're a parent of an underclassman that's a sophomore, freshman, sophomore, junior, that should be a priority for you, visiting schools in person. Having said that, I have a formula to how to put a school list together. But what I want to know from you guys is what's the thing that may have been a little unexpected or you didn't expect as you went through the application and school selection process? Anything jump out at you that you remember? I think one of the biggest things for me was how many there were. Like everyone was like, oh, don't worry, Capri, like you'll find a place, like there's a school for you out there. But once I really started looking, like every single day, I wouldn't just find like one more, I'd find like 10 more. And so I had a list at one point that had 76 schools that I wanted to apply to. And I thought that they could possibly be a good fit for me. And Ed was like, Capri, you're not applying to 76 schools. I was like, yeah, I know that. But however, like, how am I going to narrow it down? So I think figuring out what you want from a school before you start looking is one of the most important things that you could do. And it will save a lot of time and a lot of stress if you just like put up your own filters, be like, oh, I want a school between roughly this size or I want a school in this location or I want a school with this program, like make a list of all the things that you must have at your school and then the options will be there. So before we record it, Alex, I'll get to you in a second. I was plugging in my internet and you guys were talking about a school that you're like, there's no way I would have ever gone there. What school are you guys talking about? We're talking about Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. So you want to tell our audience why Notre Dame wasn't a consideration for both of you or it might have been at first but it ended up coming off the list yeah i mean i think for me probably the reason why it wasn't on the list really is because um you know cost plays a pretty big role in it but i know biggest thing for me kind of goes off of capri's points figuring out what i wanted in the school and putting up those filters i think that's an awesome way to put it my graduating class was 276 people and i saw notre dame's enrollment it's like four figures it's like eight, 9,000 kids. I think I could be wrong. Maybe it was just a little bit more, but it was a pretty small school. And so that's, you know, kind of when I realized, like, I want a bigger school coming from a smaller school. So, yeah, that was kind of my uh, my reasoning behind it. Capri, what were your um, thoughts? I originally was like, oh, this is great. Um, I grew, my elementary school was like our mascot was also the fighting irish we were like st pat so everyone was like oh my gosh like notre dame is so cool like blah 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 we all want to go there when we are when we're older so i like kind of grew up thinking like oh like i might want to apply there eventually and i looked into it and they had some really interesting programs that i was like wow this is 
such a cool program. Like I would love to be a part of it. But as I like was looking into more of like the campus life and what was around it, I decided um, in the end that it wasn't for me. And it was just like too small of a campus. Like Alex was saying, I go to a school where there's 40,000 people. So that's like in literally a quarter of them um, at Notre Dame. And it was just like, it kind of felt to me like it was too, um, too limiting. And I wanted to be in a place where I could easily get to a big city or easily kind of go to different places. And I thought um, that I wouldn't be able to do that at Notre Dame. See, that's perspective, right? You get to kind of dig into it. So, and off of her massive college list, you start to find things that matter and that filtering Mm -hmm. system becomes super important. So I'll give you an example. I have a student who's looking at not nearly as obnoxious number as Capri, but 44 schools. And she's like, how do I sift through them? And I was like, well, here's your formula. So if you're taking notes out there, this is what you do. It's a balance formula, which is you have three kind of reach schools. And I would say reach or wild card are synonymous in that. Like a school like UCLA, that would be kind of a wild card. You have all the numbers, but there's so many applications that you might just get passed over, even though you're qualified academically and socially to go there. And by social, I mean, you've done the leadership, you've done the community outreach, you've done the athletics, you've done everything, you wrote killer essays. It's just, it's a numbers game. Then you're going to have reach schools that are traditionally reach schools, which are your Ivy Leagues, West Coast Ivies like Stanford and Berkeley. Um, I think Santa Cruz hit the list today, y'all. You see Santa Cruz is like one of the top public schools in the nation now. So UCs are making a run. I think it's number one. I'll double check it. UCSD is. I saw UCSD is number one. Cool. Mm-hmm. UCs are doing their thing. But um, like uh, back to Stanford, statistically, that does a hard school to crack. Everything has to be lined up almost perfectly. So you can have, I say it's 363-484. So you can have, let's say you want to apply to 16 schools. That's a decent number. You get into the 5105, which is 20 schools, you're pretty much pushing that limit. But so let's go, it's 484. You got four schools that are reach or wild card. You should have four schools that are safety. So that's your outsides. In the middle, which is the, I call it a teeter totter or a seesaw, that middle fulcrum, you like that physics word, fulcrum in the middle, is it keeps everything balanced. So you should have eight. Of those. So if you got well, it's three, six, three, four, eight, four, five, ten, five. And those are the competitive schools. So the question that we had earlier about well, what's the right score on an SAT, it's the or an ACT is the best one you can get. But that should also help you determine what that list of schools should look like. How do you sit in their middle 50? Are you the outside? Are you in the middle? Or you're the outside the other way. Because if you're if your school is, I use the example 1100 to 1250, and you're at 1300, it's pretty safe to assume statistically that's a safety school for you. If mm-hmm. you're 1100 to 1250 range and you're at 1050, that probably is a reach school for you based on that one piece of criteria. Anything that falls between that. The 1100 to 1250, the closer you get to 1250, the stronger you should feel about your acceptance possibility. Of course, that takes us back to optional, not required. That's a we already covered that. But if you're looking at those numbers, and to Capri's point, you can sort those lists based on selectivity, either GPA, you can do it by um, standardized test score. And now you can start to pare it down. So this girl had 44 schools. What's your top three reach schools? One, two, three. You can get rid of the rest. There's nothing else to talk about. If that's really where you want to go, if you get accepted, then you can do three or four of those. Now let's go to the other end. What's your safety schools? Well, I like these three or four. Perfect. Get rid of the rest of those. Now we just got to figure out the middle. And that list was fairly large, but we start to narrow that down location, um, size. It could be size of student body. It could also be size of campus. You can have a lot of people jammed into a small campus, 
Like you go to New York schools, anything that's in in the city, that's all spread out. Berkeley's kind of spread out. Uh, not Berkeley. Uh, University of San Francisco's kind of spread out. You get big city feel, but small school, it, if that makes any sense. Like mm-hmm. there's not a lot of students there. So sometimes size is not about the campus. It's about students and then activities, right? Alex went to San Diego State, basketball, football, baseball, right? Capri's going to Purdue, football, basketball, those, I don't know what other sports they have, but nationally, those are typically ranked teams. So there's a lot of things to do if you like athletics. If you don't care about that, you can check that off the list and you can start to move those schools out of focus. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, uh, a school list is a living, breathing thing. Schools come in, schools go out, your friend said this, your mom said that, your cousin said this, and they're influencing you. You get something in the mail. They come to visit your school. It's college night, whatever. You get all this input, but these guys hit the nail on the head, which is it's your decision. Figure out what's important to you, narrow that list down, and then get to work on the applications. By the way, I got a question for both of you. When you got to the activity section on your application, was that a little bit more challenging than you thought it might be? Yes. Yeah. It's like, which activities do I include? Which ones do I emphasize? Knowing which mm-hmm. ones exactly they're looking for, it's, it was tough. Yeah. And I applied like almost every, I think there was only one school that didn't go on the Common App for me. So if I had applied like individually to their website, I think that I would have rearranged them in different orders or maybe added different things. Like depending on the programs that the school had to offer and what the school itself offered. But since I did do everything on the Common App, it was like I just had to do it once. Yeah. So I want to just get back to what Capri said. Common App, you get a lot of private and public schools that share one application. In California, you have a Cal State application and you have a UC application. So you're at least in three. When this old dude was applying mm-hmm. to go to college, everything was on paper and each school had its own application. So they've, they've condensed that down, but it, which is a blessing and a curse because the curse is, well, I can just keep adding schools to the list and just fire off an application. So I do have another question about this application process, though. When you guys were getting towards the end, were you like totally fatigued by the whole thing where you were like, I want to throw all the rest of these schools out? Or were you more like, yay, I'm getting to the end? What what emotional roller coaster did you go through, particularly when you're working on your academics in high school? You guys were both athletes. You were both in clubs. You had a lot of stuff going on. It's all wrapped around the holidays. What were your thoughts as you got through the first half three quarters of it when you got to the tail end of it i felt a lot of relief because like you said too and it's right around the holidays that's that like towards the end of that first trimester semester of senior year which does matter so yeah i was pretty burnt out i was really mm-hmm. excited to get towards the end and i was excited to like start getting the all the acceptance letters so i could start figuring out all right which ones do i still need to tour you know you find out a lot about yourself too in terms of like, like what do i prioritize a lot so yeah, I, I was definitely burnt out towards the end and it was a huge sigh of relief once we got to that that final stretch of the race. Capri, yeah. what was your experience? I like? remember submitting or I remember clicking submit on the first one and like the comment app gives you like this little confetti thing and it, I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And I literally, I was sitting on my couch because I had just done everything and I like stumbled over to my couch and I just like laid there and my mom was like oh my gosh are you okay and I was like I'm so like ready to just be done with this process and then all the waiting started and I was like oh my gosh but I think well personally I had made it so I was ready to turn in all the ones that I wanted to turn in at least two weeks before because I'm just like the type of person that if I if I can get it to the last minute I will bring it to the last minute so I had to like make it so that would not happen because I've heard horror stories of like the website crashing the day before and like people can't turn it in and I was like no I'm not going to deal with that 
So I had like a little cushion, which I was really grateful for, like if anything did go wrong. And I did at one point real like have one essay where I was just like, I can't do this. Like I'm sober now. I can't. And I was talking to Alex about this earlier. I literally turned it in the night before it was due and it was due on um, New Year's Day. So it was like 1130 New Year's Eve. And my family was like, Capri, like we want to celebrate New Year's. I was like, no, I have to turn it in. And yeah, that was like my moment of weakness. So I think there's a lesson in here. <laughs> what do you think, what lesson would you guys, or what would you say your advice would be to these young folks who are getting ready to go through this process in terms of marathon versus sprint and in terms of when they should really start focusing in on putting all this stuff together? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I would spread out as much as possible and just realizing so we got school, <clears throat> you have a, um, a trimester or semester, that first mm -hmm. one while college applications are happening, school's not going to stop and wait for your college applications. You got to account for that. So the sooner you can get started, the better, especially if you're an athlete who has a fall or winter sport. That's another thing on top of it as well. And then you have to figure out, oh, do I still have to do community service? Do I still need to join clubs? You need to think about all that because I wish it was just college applications. That would have been awesome. <laughs> but life goes on and there's so much that goes on that you have to mm -hmm. account for. Sports, school, whatever else, so many other things. So yeah, as soon as you get started on it, be better. Yeah. I don't want to panic people by saying this, but also like you might want to be a little panicked if this is you. Like if you haven't seriously been thinking about where you're applying to college, like it's September and I know if you want to do like early decision or early applications like those are due november 1st like that's three months and you need to be on top of that and then another just kind of piece of advice is use your friends and like your support system a lot i know um once i had a good idea of where i was applying to my friends and i once a week we'd go to a coffee shop and we just work for two hours and it was really nice because a lot of them would have the same questions that i was having but it was okay because we were five people. So someone always knew the answer of like, oh, like I'm lost on the common app. What do I put here? And so we could help each other out. And I think that is a really good tool that isn't talked about enough. Yeah, exactly. Um, going through it alone stinks. Mm -hmm. That's the loneliest thing you have to go through. You, you, you guys ever have those weekends or evenings where you want to go do something, your friends are doing something, and you can't or you don't feel like you should because you're in the middle of applications? Does that stuff ever happen to y'all? All the time. Yeah. Sacrifice. It's a sacrifice for sure. couple things since Capri brought it up. Capri always adding something of value. I love All right. it. You're All doing right. early admissions or early action. Let's talk about that. Early admission stinks. It's binding. You don't have a say. They control the process. Early action is cool because you get to find out early. But let's be honest, you better be a pretty darn good student. Your application better be pretty tight uh, in order to feel confident about going down that road. But subsequently, we weren't going to talk about this tonight. We'll save this for another uh, podcast. But your financial aid application goes in early, too. So that is a piece that gets missed. The other thing I would tell you is that you better get on your letters of recommendation <laughs> sooner rather than later, particularly mm -hmm. for Common App, because you need at least two, a guidance counselor and a teacher, and some require two teachers. Some mm -hmm. might even want more than that. If you're thinking, oh, I'll just slide in and grab this, you're out of your mind, because the teacher that you want to write that letter recommendation is the same teacher the entire senior class wants them to write the letter recommendation he she gonna get burned out get in line early and by early i mean you should have already asked the other thing that gets missed and i want to get feedback from y'all on this is that nobody seems to prepare their brag sheet so that they can fill out their application on their activities hours per week weeks per year they want to know how much time you've invested and i've got more students that have no idea what i'm talking about so a brag sheet is like a high school resume it lists everything you've accomplished everything you've achieved the amount of time you put into community service leadership extracurricular activities heck even work 
Alex reminded me when he said, yeah, you've got to fill in. What do I put? What do I don't put? You should have that already written. You should already know how many hours. You should already know the descriptions. And by the way, common app descriptions are different than the UC descriptions. They want them differently. So that is another time suck. If you do not have that ready, you're going to log out, do a section, log in, log out, log in. That drives me absolutely nuts. Have it all ready to go. Put in as much information as you can with the application. Write down what stuff you need and what questions and sections because you're never going to find it again on your own. <laughs> and then get those answers, go in and be done with it. Mm-hmm. Do not mess around. That application seems simple. And they'll tell you, oh, it's a half an hour to an hour and a half. Yeah, right. If you're prepared, if you're not, you're in trouble. All right. So let's go on to the next subject. Third thing they should be thinking about working on, um, personal statements. Um, The one thing that I'm going to tell, I'll ask you, what's the biggest surprise or thing you didn't expect when it came to personal statements? I think about that once in a while for me. Yeah, it's been a bit. Capri, any surprises when you went through that? Um. This one is more common app versus UC. So the common app one, correct me if it's wrong, but I think it's like 650 words is the max. And um, the UC one was different. It's 350 words, but their prompts are really similar. So it's like, how do, if theoretically, if you wanted to reuse an essay from like, even just like the common app, um, all the schools on the common app for the most part have their own, um, what's the word? Subsequential essays. Yes, we call them supplemental. Supplemental. There we go. Sorry, I like could not think of that word. Um, they have their own supplemental essays, and a lot of those are the same topic as the UC one. So it's like, do I use the same one? Do I not use the same one? How do I make them work for both without being exactly the same? Because the prompts are are similar, but they have two words which totally change the meaning, and it's like so that was kind of confusing, and then. Also, just like how much editing actually goes into it. Like, it's not something you write and then you're like, okay, done. Yeah, exactly. I I am amazed by young people being surprised about the number they have to write. So Capri said on a common app, you have one essay that gets shared by all the institutions, 650. You're like, oh, that's cool. But mm-hmm. there's a bunch of them that are going to have supplementals. And those are very school specific. So they're going to ask you, why did you pick the institution? Which is why you do all that work to figure out the list in the first place and why you visit it and what majors they have. Because they want to know whether or not you're looking at them seriously. The next one could be, why? what are you going to study when you get here? There's been a, a, a new kind of curve last few years about tolerance, acceptance, um, integration, how are you going to fit in? What are you going to contribute? Those types of things. Um, There might be a question if it's a faith-based school about how do you feel about a certain subject that's faith-based. But what happens is when we get to that portion, which sometimes back to application fatigue starts to settle in and you go, okay, Capri's like, well, maybe I can use some of this over here. And you can in some cases, but those why us, and by the way, I think Dr. Gudis is going to join us next week and talk about that subject. How lovely. Um, the why us thing is a, is a trap. They want to know, are you like on the first page of our website or the 28th page of our website? Mm-hmm. Do you understand the culture that we have here and how are you going to contribute to that? And that takes time. So I'm going to give you guys a rough sketch there's exceptions to everything. Capri talked about edits. You should be thinking about a week to a week and a half per essay. And that's if you have a nice, rigid, tight schedule. When we were doing it, it's, we could usually turn one over. If the student is really focused and doing what they're supposed to be doing, they come in with a rough draft. They do edits over the course of a week. We get back together a week later. We fine tune, retire it. Here's the problem. Most students don't know if they're a strong writer or a decent writer or a weak writer until they're in it. Mm -hmm. 
And if you're not a strong writer, meaning you're not good at expressing things concisely, answering the prompt, being deliberate in the what you're talking about, bringing emotional content to it in addition to the facts, that's going to take longer. So back to Capri and Alex, both of them start at the beginning of summer. If we're in September and Capri said 77, 70 school, you're never going to get done. And that's usually how you fit out a list. Can't I got eight of them due this week. I can't do them all. But you want to know. So I think Alex alluded to it. You're going to build yourself a nice, big, fat spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. And we have templates for that. But you want to list everything by deadline and whether it's early or regular decision and what do you have to write on the supplements? How many of them do you have to write? Um, USC has like eight to 12 questions, like three words to describe yourself. What's your favorite meal? I had one, I think it's Stanford, that says, write an essay to your new roommate. (laughs) So you got to figure out what you want to say to this person. If you applied to one of their schools, like USC has different schools inside their university, those may require essays. I was told there's a video essay on there now where you it gets kind of like Wheel of Fortune. You spin the wheel. It stops. You don't like that one. You get to spin it two more times. You pick the second one. If not, it's going to be the third one. And you have to answer the prompt in a video essay. By the no way, way, y'all, get wow. used to that. That's going to be a big thing coming up. Why interview you no. when I can have you record it? And you? I can see you. I can get your expressions. And I can... you. Prepping for that is not, you can't edit that. Once it's done, it's done. It's going in. So I think schools want to know more about young people and how they answer questions under a certain amount of pressure or getting them to be more real. So that hasn't happened in a lot of cases, but I know it's happened. So fatigue, time multiple edits. I don't know, Capri, Alex, how many times do you guys edit each one of your essays? How many times do you think you had to sit and kind of go in, spruce it up, clean it up, polish off the edges? What do you think? At least, at least three or four times, sometimes up like seven or eight from what I remember. I think my common app one, my problem is that I am not a concise writer and getting it to the right word limit was like, Every single day I had to go back to it and be like, you don't need this sentence. It doesn't add value or like you need to put these two sentences together. Like that was really tough for me. And then another one of the hard ones was there was like 150 word essays and that's like two sentences for me. (laughs) Um, That's just how like inconcise I and lengthy I am at writing. So I think I definitely may have had more editing time than others i like what you said about i'd much rather have an essay that's long than short because filling an essay is very hard to do but when Mm -hmm. you need to get to 350 and your essay is 410 and you've got to find 60 words and you like the essay that's what you got to do you got to take sentences and combine them and get rid of the colorful flowery words and just get right to it and you're still trying to do that and make it smooth and it connects and it all Mm -hmm. has continuity to it so that's a really good piece of advice which is give yourself the time to write and by the way dr gouda said this last time he's here they know who's writing mom and dad don't do it you're not you're not helping them you're hurting them don't write it for them you want to give them feedback and let them go back to their drawing board, so be it. But let them express themselves their way. And I would also say is like people say, what type should it be? Is it narrative? It's whatever. Who cares? Just be just be you. They're looking for you to be you. Mm-hmm. Um, don't try to be funny when you're not. Don't try to be clever if you're not. I don't care what your friends and family tell you. Just be just be authentic and that'll be it. So We're going to wrap up in a minute, but three pieces, college list, college application, and essays. If you guys were going to prioritize those from the easiest to the hardest, which one would be the easiest, which would be the second easiest, which one would be the hardest? When you go back and you look at that process, the one where you said, I wish I had more time to focus on that, 
or the one that just was a little bit more strenuous in effort than you thought it was going to be? I think for me personally, the hardest one was the essays because with writing, I don't care how good of a writer you are, it's going to take multiple drafts because you have one shot at this. It's not like you can send it to the college and they send it back to you with edits. You got to be all ready to go. So I think the essays were probably the ones I wish I had the most time with. I think second is the applications just because of the sheer amount of them, depending on how many schools you are applying to. Because like Ed said, you got CSUs, you got Common App, you got UCs, you have miscellaneous private schools and public schools. That's a lot of essays or a lot of applications to fill out. So I think, um, again, account for that. They're not 30 minutes, like Ed was saying. They take way longer than that. So get ahead of those. Um, Third, but still, even though it is third, I think so important, is the list of the schools. So we're going to spend the next four years of your life do some soul searching, really think long and hard about it because sooner or later you're going to have to make a decision and it comes by like, goes by like that. So that's how I would prioritize it. The uh, essays, applications, and then the list of the colleges in terms of hardest to easiest. Thanks, Alex. How about you, Capri? I think I agree with that a lot. I I am trying to decide if I want to be like, oh, I actually think this was harder, but Alex said it really well. I think the one thing that I would say is like, the putting in the application itself is so nuanced and like there's so many just like different sections that you don't like it'll be like oh this section has 10 questions but then you go to this section with the 10 questions and one question has a b c d e f g (laughs) and you're like oh my gosh this section was supposed to take me 10 minutes but i'm sitting here and it's been an hour and i feel like that part was just like it's very dull and it's doesn't really seem super rewarding it seems like you should get a lot more return for the time you put in um and then the writing is it's easy when you have an idea and a direction of where you want to go and what you know you want to say but if you don't have that and you're like what am I supposed to do with this prompt like I don't actually know what it is that is attracting me to the school I just like it then that's when it becomes really hard so I think it's a toss-up between those two and then even though finding your school is time-consuming I think that one was for me the easiest because once you have a system it's either I want to go there or I don't want to go there it's very you can make it very black and white based on criteria that you want and I would definitely recommend that like kind of take some of the feelings out of it and be like it has this program or it doesn't have this program and that made it a lot easier so i think that one was the easiest very insightful thanks both of you for uh contributing to this conversation um uh, i said dr judas might be with us next week but then again this might be broken up into three sections and maybe dr goose is gonna get bumped because this is really important stuff particularly for um families that are going through it and students are going through it right now by the way, one last question. Do you remember a time when your friends were panicking because they were way behind, but you were mm-hmm. either just about ready to wrap up? How did that feel? Like, I felt like a million bucks. Yeah, I felt, uh, I gave myself a big old pat on the back for that because <laughs> I, could, I could sense their stress and I could feel their stress. And I was just so thankful that I did not feel that. Yeah, you could Same. go to you could go to a basketball game, a football game, whatever, hang out and relax because you were had your stuff in control. Mm-hmm. Uh, a student there. came student came to me today and he's like, uh, I can't meet with you next week because something came up. I'm like, you're ahead of schedule. And he's like, Oh, thank you. I mean, <laughs> being on schedule or ahead of schedule is the best feeling in the world because mm-hmm. inevitably something is going to come up. Whether you yeah. you can't predict it, it's going to happen. And you need to build in time. And and the other thing that's great about finishing up early is you might find another school. And you might go, I might throw this application. I got all the pieces. I just have to do another essay. And Mm -hmm. that's the cool part, which is you're in a very comfortable place where, you know, your senior year, you're supposed to enjoy. It's supposed to be the time when you got control of the campus you got everything going in your favor, but the fall and early part of winter is tough, uh, particularly those who are applying to a lot of schools. And you should, you should apply to 
at least eight to 10 minimum, that 18 to 20 maximum. You want to be able to have options when it comes springtime and those letters start coming in. You want to feel good. I got accepted at a handful of schools. I'm going to pick the one that I think is best for me. The worst feeling in the world is I got waitlisted at two and completely denied another. And I'm this last application is do or die for me. That's not the place you want to be. So just think about that when you talk about number of school and applications. So that's it. Applications, school lists, essays, SATs. That's what y'all should be working on. And frankly, you should be pretty far into the process by now. I think that's it, Capri. Wrap it up. Um, One last piece of advice to my seniors right now is that everyone, like, there's just, like, a stress in the air. And a lot of the time, you're not going to be able to, like, pinpoint what exactly it is. There's just, like, something that always feels like it's, like, coming up or, like, you're missing a deadline or, like, there's something on your shoulders. And I'm not going to say that's, like good because it's definitely not but just know that 90% of the people around you are having the same thing and until you finish all your essays it's probably not going to go away even like if you think you're doing all the right things like I thought I was doing everything right and it still was there for me so you're definitely not alone in that so that's just something that I wish I had known earlier so that's all for tonight. Um, hopefully, we'll be back with Dr. Gudis soon so he can tell us a little more about writing our essays. But for now, we just talked about our three little things that we thought were or are crucial to the application process. And we'll see you next time on Two Old Kids and Two Young Adults. Thanks for joining us, folks. Thanks. Make sure and subscribe to this show so you don't miss the next episode of Two Old Kids and Two Young Adults podcast. We want to hear from you as well. You can email us at 2ok2ya at gmail.com.